Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Baranowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. Now that Donald Trump is President-elect Trump, it's time to start thinking about what his presidency might look like. Many liberals fear the worst, but we're already getting some signals from Trump and his surrogates that they may pull back on some of the extreme policy positions they took in the campaign. And today in this Ask the Politics Guys, we're, we're going to take a look at some possible changes we may see in a number of areas in the Trump presidency, starting with something Republicans have been aching to change, Obamacare. So, Jay, uh, how do you think uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act is going to be affected in a Trump presidency? Well, he said he would repeal it uh, and replace it. And uh, House Republicans have voted numerous times to repeal it. Uh, I think the ball is going to be primarily in Paul Ryan's court as to what happens with replacement. Uh, Trump has has made some statements uh, lately that he would keep and – and in fairness, he made these statements on the, the campaign trail. He'd keep the uh, uh, ban on uh, discrimination against uh, pre-existing conditions uh, and allowing uh, young folks to stay on their uh, parents' health care plan until they're, they're 26. Um, those are two popular provisions uh, that Republicans really don't have any problems with. Uh, and and uh, in fact, you know, before Obamacare, in many states, there were uh, pre-existing condition protections already built in. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that portion stays. Um, the interesting thing is what's going to happen next and and how it's going to happen. Um, I think Democrats are going to in the House are going to have to take a look and say, you know, listen, this Obamacare has to change or it will hit that sort of death spiral at some point. Uh, even Bill Clinton has admitted that. Uh, so, so I think you're going to pull some Democrats over uh, uh, on this. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think he is going to have to do something about it, uh, whether he had promised to in a campaign or not, just because this is uh, the way it's heading is is uh, uh, it's heading towards a total disaster, Mike. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't see it's not going to be a, a straight out gutting of just repeal it and uh, uh, see what happens. There, there will be some sort of uh, a replacement and Trump has has built himself as you know the master deal maker and um, you know I I think this is going to be the test of what kind of deal can he make uh, with Democrats in the Senate uh, to be able to get enough votes to get something done yeah and you know the Republicans actually sort of prepped to the ground for this uh, late in the Obama presidency they actually got a bill 
uh, through the Senate and to President Obama's desk, which, which President Obama vetoed, that would repeal most of Obamacare. The way they were able to do that and get around the filibuster was they could do this through what's called the reconciliate budget reconciliation process, which is uh, not subject to a filibuster. And there are various, we right. won't get deep into the weeds on this, but basically you can do a lot, but not everything you want through this process. So all they really have to do to repeal most of Obamacare is just basically run that same legislation through. It's all ready to go. And that could be part of a first hundred days no yeah, problem. Essentially def- defunding it. And now, and now the danger, though, and a couple things. Number one, Donald Trump, you're right, says he wants to keep the or is interested in keeping the no pre-existing conditions and keeping kids on their parents' insurance. The problem with that, especially with the no pre-existing conditions, is if you uncouple that from the mandate, what that's going to do with rates almost certainly is skyrocket them even more and perhaps make the, the death spiral even quicker, even deeper. Well, you know, we'll have to see about maybe that's the whole plan. I don't know. But another point is that tens of millions of people who didn't have health insurance now have health insurance under Obamacare. And a thing that, you know, everyone that that President Trump's going to have to look at is, do I want to do something that is going to take health insurance coverage away from this many people? That's going to be a tough decision. Uh, you know, and sure, a lot well, of those it, folks it, I don't I guess the vote. thing is, is, is it's going to take, is it going to take it away from people or are there just going to be more options um, well, you know, no, for I mean, that, that insurance? Because in, in many cases, there are people who now have health insurance uh, but have deductibles, which make it essentially unusable. Well, and that that's true uh, for, for some folks, but there's no question that if you just took away most of Obamacare, there are going to be millions of people who are just completely uninsured. And well, how there's, are those... there's also a lot who, who are now qualified for Medicare that weren't qualified for Medicare before. I don't see that changing. I don't, I don't think Trump would revamp Medicare. So I think the people who have become uh, insured through Medicare will remain. You mean Medicaid, uh, right? There may, there may be issues on their, their various states, but I don't think Trump's going to change it. You mean So you mean the Medicaid ex- expansion that was part yeah, of Medicaid, Obamacare? I yeah, said Medicare. Yeah, I, Medicare's Medicaid, the, the program yeah. for the, uh, the older folks and a big part of Obamacare. In fact, uh, a lot of folks would say maybe the best or the most successful part of the Affordable Care Act was the Medicaid expansion that uh, states could opt in or out of originally under legislation. It wasn't optional, but then the Supreme Court ruled that it had to be optional and a number of states bought into it. Uh, you know, we're okay with that essentially. And the federal government agreed to pick up most of the tab for that. And so, uh, you know, that, that certainly has helped a lot of lower income folks. And that's part of the legislation, but separate from what most people think of as Obamacare and the exchanges and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But no question, I think I would be stunned if there wasn't some sort of a large-scale repeal of most of the Affordable Care Act very quickly. But of course, I've been stunned uh, so frequently in in recent times. But I think that's going to happen. And we seem to both agree on that. And and uh, the more important piece to me is my guess, and you know, I again we we've been wrong on a whole lot of stuff. Uh, my guess is that uh, Trump will very much defer to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell uh, in in how that package is is put together. I you think know, it's going to originate with them and not with him. I wonder about that, and you know, just because I, I'm hesitant to say if that's going to be the case, that that's my inclination, but. 
he's such a wild card uh and his he seems to do things so much on gut instinct that i i, I am not ready to say what's going to happen with that i'm going to be fascinated and hopefully not fascinated with you know in, in in shock and dismay to see what happens there but uh but i wouldn't be surprised if that happened certainly okay yeah. let's move on to trade um uh under uh under an uh, sorry uh trump administration i think it's unquestionably true that we're going to see some changes in trade policy president obama has been a big proponent of opening up trade a freer trade he pushed for the trans-pacific partnership which Definitely is not going to happen now. Donald Trump has, you know, had some strong things to say about, uh, uh, I wouldn't say some people saying he's going to start trade wars. He's threatened to take action uh, if we don't get renegotiation of some treaties. He's certainly been very clear that he thinks NAFTA was a huge disaster. He said he was going to, to tear up NAFTA on his, his first day, I think. Yeah, and I mean, um, there were certain things. So I'm not things... sure, like, where, where, they, where they keep it. You know what I mean? Where they keep the actual, <laughs> like, roaming around yeah. the White House looking for it to tear up. But Well, and, you know, all, uh, we can certainly get out of a lot of these agreements. Uh, uh, they're generally set up where we just have to give notice. So, and there's also a matter of, uh, well, it's also a matter of, I, I think, to what extent what he was saying was campaign rhetoric. And what extent he really means that. And it's interesting, if we look at a lot of these free trade agreements, if we look at the overall economic impact, they tend to be mildly positive. Uh, you know, there, there are some disputes about NAFTA and so forth. But again, what that doesn't take into account are what they call the adjustments that have to be made in certain groups. And the groups that were hurt the most by these agreements are the groups that tended to vote for Donald Trump, you know, his coalition, the non-college educated uh, uh, workers, essentially. And so I think, you know, I think certainly that Donald Trump's going to push for renegotiation of some of these things. I don't know how successful that's going to be, but clearly Trans-Pacific Partnership is dead. And I think that's almost certainly a bad thing. I don't know yeah. what sort of renegotiation we're going to get of some of these treaties. Uh, what do you think, Jay? Yeah, I th- I think TPP at least in its current form is dead because I think it's politically, uh, you know, also too many I think Republicans have run away from it. I think all Democrats have to run away from it at this point. Um, I agree with that. That's a shame uh, because I think long term that's it's it's a, a smart thing, and I think long term you know that's where we're heading. Um, but but for now it's a lot easier or, or or should i say it's a lot more difficult for trump to rationalize saying okay i'll have some sort of negotiations on tpp uh but what he can do i think is say i can re-enter into new negotiations on <clears throat> nafta um uh or or other uh, free trade agreements and in those you know i think he can he can work out something short of tearing it up uh because Look, there's there's reliance on both sides. I mean, uh, I think all sides are going to agree that at, at the bigger picture, the trade trade helps out. Um, so, look, I think there'll be some new negotiation. Um, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, what we may end up with is is something that allows Trump to come away saying he was tough and tougher or exactly. stronger enforcement provisions or, or something like that, but still keeping the, the basics of the, yeah. the deal intact. Yeah, I think that's what, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. And, you know, some people may say, and a lot of these issues were kind of whistling past a graveyard or something like that. But, you know, again, we've, we've hit this uh, so many times that what you'll see in most of the media and what gets the most attention are, well, let's look at the worst case scenario type of things. How awful could things potentially be? And, you know, we've never really done that sort of thing. I think that people get enough of that from other places. And I'm looking at what I think seems to be a little more, uh, I don't know, of a, of a rational outcome, assuming, and I assume this, that Donald Trump is not interested in starting a massive recession, having millions more people despise him and, and being seen as a failed president. I'm pretty sure Donald Trump doesn't want that. So I think what's maybe a little bit more likely is along the lines of what you suggested is that, well, there's some renegotiation and maybe some small things happen enough for Donald Trump to be able to say, I got tough and we had this big thing and maybe it's blown out of proportion, you know, more of a symbolic victory than not. But enough to say that he came away with a win, but that doesn't totally destroy, you know, the, the, the U.S. role in kind of the international system of trade, basically. And I, yep. I think that to me seems to be the most likely outcome here. And that's certainly the one that I hope for. Yeah, same here. Okay, same here. let's move on to immigration. That's the other one of Donald Trump's signature issues. Uh, I guess the wall's going to go up. It's going to be big and beautiful, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a massive public works project, I suppose. But more seriously, I mean, you know, he called for deportation of what you know, ten, eleven million people. What do you think is going to happen there, Jay? Well, he's not going to deport ten or eleven million people. Um, just, just because there's there's no process, there's no infrastructure in place to do that. Uh, it would be such a massive undertaking. What I think he'll he'll continue to do, and this is something that the Obama administration and uh, the, the Bush administration before it has, is yes, they're going to deport uh, uh, people who are uh, arrested and convicted of um, uh, serious crimes. Um, I think there's going to be more more push on that. Uh, he'll make more show of it. Um, and it, quite honestly, in, in in a, you know, I don't know how you really argue against that. Um, I mean, that's he's essentially saying I'm going to enforce current law. Um, so I, I don't I don't see that as, as being a, a big problem. I think it's going to be more focus on, hey, look at me. Here's what I'm doing. Right. Um, uh, you know, he's also if you notice in the past couple of days, some of his surrogates have have sort of talked down the the wall idea uh, and in favor of they're using the word. Uh, border security, um, you know, sort of now, how much is, you know, uh, Obama often is, uh, avoids saying Islamic terrorism. Uh, we're sort of Republicans are sort of saying, avoiding saying wall and, and saying uh, border security, indicating that, yes, he's going to be tougher on, on border security. Uh, and that, that may include, and probably will, it will include uh, a, a physical wall barrier in some places. It's going to have to. But, yeah, but I think the the idea of the you know sort of coast to coast fifty foot wall um, is not going to happen uh, you know for for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, nor will Mexico pay for it. Um, well, the the uh, idea. Know, I mean, you know, mean you're right. Yeah, this wall. You know, but 
But just just the just the cost of doing all these things, you know, deporting that many uh, that many illegal immigrants and building that wall, it's just going to be prohibitive. And I don't see that, you know, getting through a because where's the money going to come Congress from? Is still not going to shell out the kind of of huge cash that would be required for something like that. And again, um, just the the idea of building a wall, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, listen, there are a lot of better, cheaper ways to achieve border security than just one big wall. And and also, you know, Donald Trump has, you know, said that he's, at least I've I've heard, you know, signs that he's not terrifically interested in breaking up families and so forth. And so I think you're right. The focus is going to be much more on deporting people who've committed crimes and so forth. But on the other hand, we're not going to see any sort of a path to citizenship, certainly for, uh, you know, for people who are in this country illegally and haven't committed any crimes. That's definitely not going to happen. I don't know. Really? You know, that's that's something that, hmm. that we'll wait and see. Again, okay. Trump, I, you know, I don't know. This is this is just my gut telling me this, that that maybe Trump does come up with some sort of path to citizenship. Um, but I don't know. I mean, this is I'm you mean I'm, I'm just I'm completely speculating you, on that. That's you, just sort of the you um, mean like kind of under do. It's, it, it's sort it's sort of like the, you know, only Nixon. That's could go I was going to say that. Type, exactly. Type yeah. Idea. Yeah, and let, let's explain that because probably for a lot of our listeners, that's that that reference is not gonna not gonna mean a whole lot. So, Jay, why don't you explain what that reference means? Well, the the idea meaning that uh, Nixon, who was throughout his career uh, very much the epitome of anti-communism, uh, that that only he, uh, as someone who had those very very strong anti-communist credentials. Uh, would be able to sort of open the door uh, to China uh, without appearing weak uh, and, right. and and uh, uh, sort of cave into the cave into the commies. Uh, Trump, in by the same token, has been the strongest voice on immigration, uh, so he has that opportunity of being able to say, "Look, even I think this could be a reasonable." way to go. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, and, it, it, it's really interesting. We pointed this out in a number of other areas, but Donald Trump is not really an, an ideologue. He seems to be, to be exactly. Yes. He's a, he's perhaps the most pragma, pragmatic president we've had in, in a while. And some people say, well, that means he doesn't have principles. And, and, and maybe that's true. Uh, uh, I think you can make a good case that that's true, but it also means it's a lot harder to predict what he's going to do. I mean, is he going to be his own man or is he going to be captured by his advisors? You know, it's it's hard to say. And so I think really there's more uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen with policy in a Trump presidency than on any presidency that I can I can recall that, you know, that I've that, that's been it's in, in our lifetime, certainly. So, um, yep. OK, moving on. Um, let's talk a little bit about regulations and tax policy what sort of changes do you see there from a trump presidency uh, i i think in in this case he is going to follow through with with a lot of uh cutting back on uh on regulation agreed um now there's going to be some limits as to what he can do um he's going to say i'm going to repeal a lot of obama executive orders uh will. Uh, or yep. rescind them i suppose you don't repeal them um and and we'll see where that goes uh but obama put out a lot of executive orders and a lot of them are complicated. Uh, also, the the federal bureaucracy is complicated and complex. And it's not a matter of you can simply go and say, uh, we're going to, you know, get rid of these these rules right out, you know, right off the bat. Um, 
there's a there's a lot that goes into it. So I think he's going to be certainly uh, he's going to put a hold on on rules that have been in the pipeline. Definitely. Uh, which I think business business will react to very positively, uh, and and it's going to be a long process though to to undo um, uh, sort of the regulatory yeah. structure that's that's in place just because of the bureaucracy, uh, uh, because of uh, momentum, because of in a lot of cases uh, it's there because businesses wanted that some businesses want that sort of thing it's uh, it's a way to keep out uh, smaller competitors uh, through regulation, um, so that's it's that's going to be a, a long path but I think. I think he'll do sort of a a you know moratorium on on new regs, uh, which business will greet greet heartily, and there will be some Obama pieces that uh, things Obama did by executive order that he will rescind, uh, sort of a symbolic gesture. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Is that so many presidents come in thinking that well, here's one area I am in fact you know the the chief executive and it's my executive branch and I'm just going to change a bunch of stuff and and. They come in and all of a sudden they're like, wow, um, I had no idea it would be that tough. It's like trying to, yeah. you know, turn an ocean liner basically when, you know, half the people are trying to turn it in the opposite direction. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be the 180 type of change that maybe he's used to. And this is one of the big differences between running uh, a business. And running a, a country, and then you know the bureaucracy is a big entrenched thing, just as you said. And so, we'll certainly see a lot fewer regulations, but it's not going to be the kind of big turnabout that I think a lot of folks are uh, either dreading or hoping for. Now, what about tax policy, though, Jay? What, what, what do you see happening there? Well, you know, he's he's got a tax plan that's out there, um, and it is in in many ways. Uh, sort of been blessed by a lot of the the uh, Chamber of Commerce Republican establishment type stuff. My sense is a lot of that is also, or I don't know whether it's my sense or whether it's my hope, uh, but a lot of that will be left to Paul Ryan, uh, who is very much a tax policy wonk. Um, so I, I I I look forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, you know, one of the big pieces is uh, cutting corporate income taxes. Uh, uh, I'm I'm all for that. I think uh, most Republicans are uh, in the idea that it gets gets more money here. People aren't being taxed twice. Um, uh, Democrats, of course, will will see this as as uh, you know a tax break for the rich, uh, and possibly it is. But uh, whether it's a break for the rich or not, I think it's good for the economy. Um, so we'll we'll uh, we'll see going going forward. Yeah. But again, my sense would be. He will uh, – Trump will operate in broad outlines and leave the details to uh, uh, House Republicans. Well, you know, I think I, I tend to agree with you. I think that's what's going to happen. If you take a look at some of Donald Trump's initial thoughts on the tax system, they were a little bit further from Republican elite orthodoxy. And then as time went on, it seemed like he adopted more of those views along kind of a Paul Ryan sort of uh, uh, idea. And, and you know – I hope that doesn't happen because I think that the Ryan plan is a disaster for a lot of reasons. That's another conversation. But my my dream, my dream is is that you know I think Donald Trump has a unique opportunity here to propose something radically different. Again, uh, because he is such a different sort of thinker and he's not an ideologue, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump could propose something like saying, let's do away with the corporate tax and put in a value-added tax and drastically cut uh, individual tax rates and just really 
rework our entire system. And I think that would have, which I think is a far more rational system, uh, would have a better chance of going through now than maybe at any time that I can, that I can think of. I, I, that's just kind of my pipe dream. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's going to be a wasted opportunity. Unfortunately, I think we're going to, I don't even know if we're going to see any big changes because reforming the tax code is such a difficult thing to do such a heavy lift and um i and there's there's typically no real good political upside because, yeah i mean you always want to say okay we're lowering taxes um but but no someone there's always people who are going to get hurt uh the people who are going to benefit uh will not see the benefit uh as as much as those who are hurt will see yeah. the pain and well, the, the people who see, see the pain exactly will. We'll have a lot of lobbyists. And what, what tends to happen and what has happened under uh, pretty much every previous Republican administration over the last 30 years is they've come in and they've lowered taxes, but they haven't lowered spending so much. And so we've seen major increases in deficit because that's the easy thing to do politically. And that's right. certainly a path that I think it's really unsustainable and that we can't really go down. And I hope we don't go down that path anymore. OK, um, let's move on to climate change. Uh, you know, that kind of gets into regulations as well and so forth. But, you know, Donald Trump has said that he thinks, at least in the past, that climate change is a hoax. Uh, and so I think that what sort of little momentum that we've seen on climate change in an Obama administration with the Paris Agreement and so forth, that I think is stopped dead in its tracks. And certainly a lot, and we talked that, you know, we're going to see a lot fewer regulations. I think a lot of that also involves regulations from the EPA that were designed to slow, you know, what I think is the the, the, the destruction of uh, of our environment. And I think that's a deeply unfortunate sort of thing. Uh, and so I'm sort of resigned to a lack of progress for the next four years on that. Uh, what do you think, Jay? Well, I think the, the, um, the earth will continue to turn and the, the winds will continue to blow and the waves will continue to crash uh, yeah, much as they had, yeah. uh, whether Hillary Clinton had been elected or uh, Trump elected. Yeah. And, um, and, and of course, you know, I, mean, I think I think I think regardless of, of, uh, of, you know, what you want to say about global warming, uh, whatever Trump was going to do and whatever these nego these these agreements were are, are really sort of, uh, you know, just kind of, I don't know. Hortatory, uh, sure. <laughs> and, and, and you know, as opposed to what was actually going to happen anyway. So I, I, I don't see any any big difference um, other than perhaps Trump's being a little more honest about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Honestly, uh, whether, whether it's whether it's uh, see, yeah, honest Trump. How about that? Um, whether whether you know you you and and look, I I think uh, uh, is is uh, mankind contributing to global warming? Sure, probably. Um, but let's look at what can actually really be done with it uh, about it. Not a lot. And uh, Trump will do not a lot. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you and I have talked about this issue a lot of times in the past and, and we, we disagree in certain areas, but I think we both agree here that we're not going to see much progress. In fact, no progress for, for better or for worse. You would argue that it really doesn't matter much either way. I think that the only way we're going to see any significant progress would be if we saw unified democratic control and even then it would be kind of difficult for for a lot of reasons so um so yeah well, let's move on to international relations uh 
there are a lot of folks that are concerned. In fact, the big part of Hillary Clinton's entire campaign, right, was here's a guy who can't control himself on Twitter. We're giving him the nuclear codes. How do you think this is going to affect our security arrangements, our international relations, you know, with, with Russia and Syria, with uh, nuclear proliferation? Is this uh, is the world suddenly become a lot more dangerous because Donald Trump's president? I don't know yet. I, I, I really don't don't know. And that's going to be sort of depend on which Donald Trump is is in the presidency. Is it the Donald Trump who, you know, tweets things at three in the morning and, and says these sort of inflammatory things? I don't know. Or is it going to be the Donald Trump who went to Mexico and, and um, uh, you know, appeared? I don't, I don't know if I want to say statesmanlike, but statesmanlike for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, in that appearance. Um, you know, the the early. There, there's been talk about, uh, for example, John Bolton as Secretary of State. Uh, again, Oof. Bolton, you, you can you can like him or not like him. Oh, I can not can, like him. I think say he's a he's a serious person. Yeah. Um, he's a, uh, he would not be he not, would be not be tweeting at, at three in the no, morning about Miss no. America. And you know, um, and you're right. I mean, already uh, Donald Trump made a call to the president of South Korea saying that you know he he took the the security of South Korea very seriously and so forth. And again, I you know. I think, and this is my hope, and and maybe I'm I'm letting uh, hope kind of uh, overweigh outweigh whatever rationality. I hope not, but I think that you know Donald Trump says a lot of inflammatory things, but when push comes to shove, he's a pragmatist. Donald Trump has no interest in starting a nuclear war, um, and, and, and I don't think that's going to happen. You know, this is international relations. It's it's odd. This is an area in which I am almost sympathetic to a certain extent with some of what at least I can take away from what Donald Trump is saying. You know, he points out that uh, we have been subsidizing in a massive way uh, some of the, you know, the I think the, the third, well, so three of the 10 largest economies in the world in terms of defense. And should we continue to do that? And I don't think he's just going to start pulling out troops. And I think he's acting like a negotiator saying, well, let's take a look at this. Let's push back on some of these things and see what happens. Now, that could lead to some potentially disastrous consequences. Sure. I hope that's not the case, but I do think I thought for a while that we need to reevaluate our position in the world, uh, the amount of military spending, uh, you know, what we want to be doing in the world, given a very different kind of global order. And I don't think that some of our commitments are really sustainable long term. I don't know if Donald Trump is the person to uh, carefully and judiciously draw us back from that. But I think that somebody needs to do that. And and, and maybe maybe some good can can come of this if we start to take a look at, you know, what we want to be doing in the world. Yeah, I, I I don't know where where Trump's going on that. My sense would be like you that is more a negotiation tactic, uh, saying, "Hey, allies, you need to start kicking in a little bit more." Uh, I I don't think that we would really abandon um, uh, some of these these other countries who who we depend on yeah. for for you know because of geostrategic uh, 
uh, I mean, principles. I mean, it's complicated. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, so, and trade and defense and all of this is kind of all wrapped up in it's, it, you know, in, in a way, it's all part of this sort of post-World War II agreement or deal that we sort of understanding that we came to, that we would provide a, a lot of this defense umbrella. And we've been doing that really ever since. And, you know, that was that was a long time ago and the world is a different place. Quite and, successfully, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been. And so, yeah, again, do we want to start dismantling that? Uh, you never know what's going to happen. And so that's where the incrementalist conservative in me kind of comes out. And, and, and I hope that the pragmatist and Donald Trump will come out there and say, well, you know, let's not, you know, let's not jump too far. Let's not do too much. And, you know, but again, we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to the Supreme Court. This is certainly what a lot of folks have talked about. I think this is one area, you know, a lot, in a lot of instances we've said, well, we don't know what Donald Trump are we going to see, how pragmatic as opposed to how much of a, you know, extremist is he going to be? How can we separate rhetoric from, you know, how he's going to govern? But this is one area, I think, of maybe all the areas where we have a much better sense of what we're likely to see. And what is that, Jay? Yeah, and, and I think the reason we're more likely to see it is is Trump has sort of acknowledged that he doesn't really know a whole lot about, <laughs> about picking justices about how the Supreme Court where it works and has indicated that he is going to be you know deferring and looking to uh, organizations like the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation uh, in, in vetting um, judicial appointments. So I think if you're a, a traditional conservative, uh, a judicial conservative, you see that as very good news. Uh, it's not just the hey, he's going to appoint his sister-in-law or you know whoever that sort of thing. Um, uh, and and um, I think you know regardless, uh, conservatives are going to be happier with a a Trump appointment than they would have been yeah. with a Clinton appointment. Yeah, and and this to me is the reason I am most dismayed. By Donald Trump's uh, by Donald Trump's victory, I would have been equally dismayed in, in this sense by any Republican victory because, of course, there was the opportunity here for uh, liberals to remake a Supreme Court that has been dominated by conservatives, albeit you know a, a slight domination. Oh, I would say dominated. Well, again, yeah, okay, it's you know, been dominated by Anthony Kennedy. There's yeah. been well, yeah, there's been a uh, conservative tilt of the court for a long time now. There was an opportunity to change that. That's not going to happen, and. You know, there are other, we, we've talked about some of these issues before. I think that uh, so much of what's dysfunctional about our political system goes back to uh, campaign finance. I know you and I disagree on that, but I was so desperately hoping for a Supreme Court that would overturn Citizens United. That's not going to happen now. Um, and you know, not but, only but just this is just a little bit off topic. But but consider that Citizens United really had nothing to do with with the results of this election. Uh, and in fact, if there was any beneficiary of it, it would have, it was Clinton. Well, I, I'm talking more, I guess, more broadly about congressional elections and, you know, and then spending overall. But, um, but in any case, uh, you know, I, I clearly it's going to be a conservative court, you know, for a while now. Um, and if you take a look, it's not just the Scalia appointment, right? I mean, uh, Justice Ginsburg is 83 years old. Uh, what's going to happen? What What's going to happen there? I mean, I think, I, you know, is she going to be able to hang on for four more years? You know, there are a lot of liberals who are saying now, who are kind of saying, you know, maybe she should have retired 
under a uh, uh, under a uh, uh, Obama presidency. Justice Kennedy, who is a conservative, but not nearly as conservative as a lot of Republicans would like, is eighty years old. You know, Justice uh, Justice Breyer is seventy eight. You know, you can. It's easy to envision a situation where, at the end of four years, there are six very conservative justices on the Supreme Court. And that could be the case for a long time. And, you know, some people might say, well, what about the filibuster? Democrats could filibuster a Supreme Court nomination, and certainly Democrats will. But I guarantee you what's going to happen is Republicans are going to change the rules so that Supreme Court nominees can't be filibustered. That guaranteed that's going to happen. And so they're going to get in, you know, at least one and maybe more than that. Would you agree? Well, we'll see, we'll see about that. Although I think the other thing is is going to be because of the number of vacancies, uh, potential vacancies in the Supreme Court and, and actual vacancies in the lower courts, uh, Senate Democrats are going to have to choose their battles. Yeah. Well, you know, to me – That's that's different, yeah. Well, well to me, and, and speaking about the filibuster, the big question to me is whether Republicans in the Senate – are going to go so far as to just overturn the filibuster entirely. And that's the big, you know, that's, that's what a lot of liberals are concerned about, saying they certainly could do that. They have the votes to do that. There's nothing that could stop them. And if so, then the Republicans could put through all sorts of stuff. Now, I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of reasons. Number one, the majority is awful small. And, and number two, I think there are at least a few Republicans who honestly believe in the institution of the Senate and its procedures. Uh, and so they're not, they, they believe that the filibuster is an important check on, uh, on kind of unrestrained legislative activity. And also they're yep. looking forward to the future saying, well, in a few years, if we expect some sort of Trump counter reaction, if there's this huge democratic wave that maybe is even bigger, do we want to see that? So I don't think that the filibuster itself is going to go away, but I do think that the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees is going to go away just because Democrats or Republicans want to make sure that they get that fifth justice in, and that's that's going to happen. Well, so, we'll, we'll see. Yep. We'll see. You know, one final issue that I want to talk about, because I want to end the issues discussion on a positive Note what I hope will be a positive note: infrastructure. Now, that, here's here's an area where I think something can really get done. Donald Trump has called for even more infrastructure spending than Hillary Clinton called for, significantly more. And here's an area where I think that could be a really positive sort of thing. It's going to be hard, I think, for congressional Republicans to ignore that. This is something that I think Democrats can get on board with, and. For me, infrastructure spending is some of the best spending we can do because it has these follow-on effects. Infrastructure helps to make economic growth in so many areas so much easier because it makes it easier to get you know products from and people from place to pe- place and so forth. And so, I think this can be a real positive thing. And I hope this is one of the one of the first things that uh, happens in a Trump administration as a way to kind of reach out. I mean, if you listen to Donald Trump's victory speech. You know, he suggested he wants to be a, a a uniter and be a president for all Americans. Well, this would be a great bipartisan issue to kind of get the ball rolling on. Yeah, no, I, I think that's one of the first things you will see is uh, some infrastructure legislation. Yeah, and, and I think that would be that would definitely be a, a good thing. Although there are some other issues I think we need to be concerned about. Like, for instance, uh, you know, President Obama uh, said 
The presidency magnifies who you are. You know, it doesn't magically change who you are. And so given what we know about Donald Trump, is that is that a concern? I, you know, I think that depends a lot on who we think Donald Trump is. If we think he is a sort of a fundamentally uh, a, a narcissistic, ill-tempered, thin-skinned, reactive, unthoughtful, vindictive person, then that freaks you out, right? Yeah, and and there is some evidence to support that. Absolutely. There's a lot of evidence to support that. <laughs> the question is, is whether Donald Trump, the deal maker, Donald Trump, the pragmatist, is greater than that. And we don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I know we all hope what the answer to the question will be that the pragmatist deal maker kind of outweighs that. But that's that's an open question. And I guess we'll we'll find out. A related question. Uh, what about, you know, corruption and transparency? Uh, Donald Trump, you know, he didn't release his taxes. Uh, first president, the first candidate in a long time to not do that. Uh, I think there are some very real concerns about uh, the transparency in a Trump administration, the, the potential for corruption, for uh, doing the kind of thing that, that Vladimir Putin does in Russia, right? He's kind of used the presidency to advance his own business interest. What do you think, Jay? I, I I think that's that's kind of doubtful. Um, you know, first of all, it's one thing to say uh, uh, Trump isn't being transparent about his own personal business uh, transactions, his own tax returns. But once you get into government, there is there are certain uh, rules and laws that that require transparency, uh, which you know, of course, Hillary sort of fell afoul of and set up a private sure. server in order to avoid. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a different culture. Uh, and I think I don't know whether he sees this as, you know, an opportunity to make more money. I Again, I, I you know, I can't read the guy's mind. I, I don't know. I mean, I would think that uh, at, at his age, he would say, OK, I've done what I needed to do uh, as far as uh, making money goes. Uh, now I want this piece of, of my legacy Again, which is it goes on to the whole psychoanalyzing Trump sure. is to to prove he's finally good enough or or whatever or uh, uh, you know make up for whatever inferiority complex he has. But I, I I'm not I'm not overly concerned that he's going to somehow pad his his pockets uh, with the presidency. Yeah, you, you um, know I mean that that's along the lines with my hopes is that he that his internal dialogue is I want to go down as a great president. Uh, and uh, that people look back at the Trump presidency and say, what a wonderful time. And and if that's how he ends up seeing things, you know, that there's some potential there. I think, you know, people who are concerned about a Trump presidency have absolute reasons to be concerned. I'm not trying to downplay that. But I also think, you know, that what President Obama and Hillary Clinton said is true, is that we need to try to find ways to not kind of retreat. We need to try to find ways to build on what positives we can find to not make this next four years an absolute, you know, dumpster fire train wreck. And, you know, I hope, I think we all hope that, right? We all want the country to succeed over the next four years. I think Donald Trump wants that. He may see that in different ways. And, you know, and again, I think Given some of his rhetoric, especially people in certain, you know, in certain historically uh, uh, disadvantaged, disenfranchised groups have understandable reason to be afraid. And I totally get that. So I, I'm not downplaying that at all. But I just hope that Donald Trump kind of looks at the country now that he's president and kind of uh, 
you know, is elevates himself into that role and that the campaign Trump is a very different thing from the presidential Trump. And, and, and we'll certainly see about that. You know, one one other yep. thing I wanted to mention is there's a lot of uh, a lot of research uh, suggesting that one really dangerous thing for presidents, really for anyone in a position of power to do is to rely on loyalists, to surround yourself with people who tell you how wonderful you are, who are uncomfortable giving you bad news, who, you know, uh, their first their first loyalty is to you and not to the truth or reality or something like that, who don't take contradictory advice well. Uh, you know, that certainly has been a, a uh, was a was a critique of Hillary Clinton. They had a little thing called Hillary, you know, Hillary Land, I think it was, whatever, and mm-hmm. that they put themselves in a bubble and you know, that's, I think, a big concern going forward as we kind of start to see what sort of people Donald Trump picks. Are they going to be these sort of folks who basically are loyal to Donald Trump but don't know a whole lot and their main reason for being picked is that, well, they you know they were Donald Trump loyalists or is he going to be able to be a big enough person, a smart enough person to pick people who – may not be supremely loyal to him, but are going to tell him what's really going on. That's always a tough thing to do. And I think you can raise some legitimate concerns about whether, given what we know or what we've seen certainly publicly about Donald Trump's temperament, is if he's going to be able to find a way to surround himself with those sort of people who are going to tell him what he needs to know and not what he wants to hear. Yeah. Well, I think one, you know, positive sign. I think I'd call it positive. And again, we're recording this on Sunday, so things may have, have changed by the time it's released on Wednesday. But there's been some discussion of uh, Reince Priebus being um, chief of staff. Uh, you know, that would be something that that uh, Priebus would be someone who is not necessarily a Trump loyalist, uh, uh, you know, having him in that position would make a difference. There's also been discussion of having Steve Bannon in some kind of position, Jeez. which would be the very much opposite of, of that. Um so, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Um, the idea that, that what he's done so far of, of elevating Pence over uh, Christie in the transition uh, team, I, I don't know how much to read into that or not read into that. Uh, but, you know, it would it would very much Pence would seem to be more the outsider, the person who could give Trump the uh, advice he might not want to hear as opposed to Christie, who was sort of the first Trump loyalist. Well, it, it so, might, I mean, yeah. if you want to look for signals, there may be some there. Uh, really, we just have to wait and see how things play out, though. Yeah, I think that in the final analysis, the hope that everyone has is that Donald Trump will govern as a as a pragmatist and uh, not as a, not as the extremist that he made himself out to be that, you know, he was maybe saying some things that he felt he needed to say to close the sale, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. And that now that he's in the position and he starts to see the complexities of the world and what he needs to do to not be a failure in this endeavor, that he will, Take appropriate action. Um, that's that's my hope. I know that's your hope, Jay. I think that's the hope of you know every every American really. Uh, and uh, again, while I know we're going to get probably a lot of uh, a lot of emails and Facebook messages about how can you be so positive about this awful man, and I understand that. I mean, we you know we've been on record as saying that we had huge concerns about him. I certainly didn't vote for him. He wouldn't be anywhere close to my choice. And I understand those concerns. And right now, all I'm trying to do is say, well, let's 
take a breath, take a step back, try to take a look at what might be possible and hopefully not to play into what our worst fears of what certainly could happen if he plays to kind of his worst instincts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't vote for him either. Uh, but he is, will soon be, uh, my president. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I think we have to look at here's, here's the situation, uh, yeah. uh, where it is and, and, uh, hope that he's a good one. Yeah. The, the one thing that I don't want to do is, you know, the, the liberals, uh, criticized, uh, Mitch McConnell and Republicans saying that basically their, their concern after president Obama was elected was just making him, you know, a failure essentially. And I, you know, we criticized that when someone we fundamentally disagreed with came into office. And my feeling is that we need to certainly, I do not think that, that liberals or Democrats, that even Republicans who disagreed with Trump, and that's a lot of Republicans should simply just capitulate, be quizlings, just try to, you know, just give in. I think on, on our issues, we need to stand strong and we need to, you know, we need to go against Donald Trump if he does things, some of the things that he said he would do that we think are just downright wrong. But I also think that we need to try to find ways to work with him. Like you said, he is the president of all of us and we need to look for that common ground and work with him on those areas to try to find those bits of good in Donald Trump. And it's in him. I, I, you know, I fervently believe that we need to try to bring that out and encourage that so that we make sure that the next four years are as productive and good for the country as they possibly can be under the circumstances. Yep. Amen. All right. Well, on that note, we'll end for this episode of Ask the Politics Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or, you know, just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, as always, we would love to hear from you. That email, again, is mail at politicsguys.com. You can also leave a voicemail message for us by calling our listener line at 408-840-3518. And, of course, there's our Facebook page where we post all kinds of stuff throughout the week, facebook.com slash politicsguys page, and we're on Twitter at politicsguys. And we would really appreciate it, folks, if you could subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast service you happen to use. And, again, sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets really does help us out a lot. Finally, if you'd like to support the show financially, we would really appreciate that. And we have PayPal and Patreon links on our website where you can go to and uh, support us financially. All right, we'll be back with a new show next Wednesday, and we do hope you'll join us.